You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Half Hour! Welcome to Half Hour with Jeff and Richie, which is now on the Broadway Podcast Network. I'm Jeff. And I'm Richie. And on today's show, we are very excited to have a very special guest with us today. This is Tony Award-nominated director Lee Silverman, whose current directorial work can be seen at the New York Theatre Workshop in the new production of Marry Me, which is now playing until November 19th. Lee is an American director of the stage, both off-Broadway and on-Broadway. She was nominated for the 2014 Tony Award for Best Direction of a Musical for the Musical Violet and the 2008 Drama Desk Award Outstanding Director of a Play for the play from up here. And some past credits include on Broadway, Grand Horizons, The Lifespan of Fact, Chinglish, and Well, and Off Broadway Suffs at the Public Theater, soon to come to Broadway, Sweet Charity Off Broadway with Sutton Foster, and The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, among many other shows as well. So, Lee, welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes, Thank Lee, you welcome. so much for having me. Yay, this is wonderful. Thank you. So, before we dive into Marry Me, Lee, can you tell us a little bit about your journey into the world of theater and what motivated you to dive into the industry? Oh, God, sure. I mean, (laughs) I um, was like a total theater nerd. Like, I was just like, um, you know, my real life is on the stage. Um, Mostly was how I moved through my my youth. Um, Was an only child and um, uh, was at a summer theater kind of immersion program uh, when I was 15 and had this teacher there tell me that I was a terrible actor. And, um, you know, it was like one of those moments that is just so horrifying and humiliating. And then um, she said, you know, but I think you're really smart and you have really interesting things to say about these plays and you should, you should be my assistant for the summer and, um, and then go on to a career in the directorial field. And I was like, okay. And I must've really believed her or something. Cause like, I've really staked my whole life on what that one person said to me when I was 15. But, um, it, it was, um, for me really, um, being able to that summer I got, she handed me Ibsen and Sean Shakespeare. And I just was like, my mind was really blown open. And I went to Carnegie Mellon um, as an undergrad uh, director in their theater conservatory. And then while I was there, um, applied to the grad writing program. And so I ended up doing um, a dual degree in both directing and playwriting. And I really did that because I wanted to work with writers. And I was... um, I I can't even really explain why I just was like, that's where, that's what I'm interested in is collaboration. And um, at that time, the only way to be in a room with a writer was um, to be a playwright myself. So I, I um, graduated from Carnegie Mellon and moved to New York. And I, my first internship was at the New York theater workshop. 
1996 and they were doing a musical there at the time called rent and so when i went to the workshop to like meet with the people and see you know we went up to the rehearsal room and i watched a little rehearsal and i was like yeah these are my people this is this is this is going to be my jam so um that and i moved to new york in the summer of 96 and was an intern at new york theater workshop so the fact that i have this show there right now um uh, is really like this beautiful kind of full circle moment and, for me. And what was it, before we move on to my next question, I just have to ask when you were in the, in this, what was it like you're in New York and now you're in the rent rehearsal? Did you just like casually say you're in the rent rehearsal room? Like, like what was that like bopping in there? I, I didn't really, I, you know, it was like, I, I, I just was like, everything was, I was just like on fire with excitement. You know, what is there to say? And then I, I sort of interviewed for my internship. I went back to Pittsburgh. I finished my, my time there. And in that time, Rent had opened. Jonathan had died. The show moved to Broadway. It won the Tony. And then, like, I came back to New York after I graduated and started my internship. And actually, my first job was, um, my first paying job was uh, to be the PA on the Rent tour. And wow. um, it was, you know, everything that I had hoped it would be. It was, I was surrounded by um, amazing, interesting, incredible people who are telling the story of underrepresented voices on stage in this incredibly moving piece of theater. And I was like, this is exactly uh, what I want to be doing. And um, awesome. I love it. it. I love it. And so you were talked earlier about collaborating. So, you know, you've collaborated with Hansel Jung before, who's the playwright of Marry Me. Can you share a little bit of your collaborative relationship with the playwright over time and how it influenced this production and like how you guys worked together on getting Marry Me to where it is now? Sure. So I met Hansel when she graduated from Yale and her play Cardboard Piano was picked for the Humana Festival. And the artistic director, Les Waters, at the time um, set us up and thought we would be a good match. And we sat down and Hansel started the conversation by saying she did not trust directors and didn't really like working with them. And, um, and I was like, I wasn't really planning on doing this play. I was just interested in meeting her. And then I was like, I'm going to break her. Like, I just was like, I'm up for that challenge. Like, give it, give it to me. So um, truly it was um, uh, that working on that play with her at Humana. And then while we were there, she had started to work on a new play called Wild Goose Dreams, which we then worked on at the Sundance Theater Lab and then brought to La Jolla and then to the public theater. Um, And it was during Wild Goose Dreams, the second production of Wild Goose Dreams, that it was... February. It was a play that was about um, loneliness. It was uh, a play that dealt with suicide. It was so dark. And we had also been working on um, her next play, Wolf Play, um, and had done a couple readings of that. And I was like, Hansel, for God's sakes, you got to write a comedy. Like, (laughs) what? This is like, I'm like, you know, I can't take it. My heart can't take it. And, um, And she said, well, what kind of comedy? And, um, you know, I, I thought I was saying the thing to her that, um, that would really stump her, which is, I was like, I don't know, like, write me like a lesbian sex farce. And she, of course, being exactly like me and being up for a challenge was like, um, I I see you, Lee Silverman, I will do that. And (laughs) she did, in fact, set out to write this play, Marry Me, which started off being a kind of very 
um, devoted adaptation or subversion of the play The Country Wife, which is um, an English restoration play about a man who goes around town claiming to be impotent so that the women would sleep with him. So uh-huh. she was like, I'll just reverse that and make a play about a gay woman who says she's straight so that all the gay women, you know, want to have sex with her. And and she just was like, as she, as Hansel would say, like she traded the penis for the vagina and tried to make a play. But then because it's Hansel, she had all these other really interesting and like crazy queer ideas. And she had read, you know, all the plays in the canon, um, the queer canon and from the Greeks to the five lesbian brothers to split bridges, you know, all these different authors and she kind of put everything that she was thinking about um, into uh, you know a martini shaker and really came up with this very it's like um, I've said to her many times like you have to be really smart to write something this dumb like it's (laughs) incredibly sophisticated and yet all the time it's um, it's subverting and making fun of itself and um honoring and then um Mm -hmm. laughing at form style and and she just it's like one really good setup and joke after another and it is after a kind of bigger concern like the restoration comedies are which is that she ends this epilogue in this very emotional place where she talks really about um not choosing revenge Mm -hmm. when you're angry and not choosing the axe but to choose something else instead um the marys as it were and um which is what the great restoration comedies did which is that they delivered on five acts of comedy and then gave you something to hold on to um and feel optimistic about at the end so to me that's really the hat trick of what she does or like the kind of like unbelievable um thing that i just marvel at in the play which is that she manages to deliver all that comedy and then the kind of like beautiful epilogue yeah it's super cool as you were like just saying too everything's kind of thrown into the cocktail shaker and the the play is described as an intoxicating queer cocktail how did you approach the queer themes in this show especially in terms of the comedy we'll be right back with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back. I, I So I've directed two other plays at New York Theater Workshop. One was The Five Lesbian Brothers, Oedipus of Palm Springs, which was an adaptation on the Oedipus story, um, also told in a very gay, very outrageous way. And then Madeline George's play, Hurricane Diane, which was 
somewhat of a retelling of the Bacchae and um, a queered up version of that. So I felt like I had kind of cut my teeth on like Mm -hmm. the, the, those kinds of plays. And I will say, even though I have directed both of those other plays, plays that are robustly funny um, and are about female desire and female sexuality are very few and far between. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I've just listed two others, it's like, to me, it really, um, I feel so lucky to have completed the trilogy here um, with Hansel's play. But I, I think, you know, every idea that, that I would have, I would, you know, posit to my designers and to Hansel and I would kind of be like is it like dumb like good dumb or is it like dumb like (laughs) and so it's like you know when we would do a a, a, you know a thing and we would laugh about it and then I'd say okay well let's check in about it tomorrow and then we do it again and I'd be like still dumb like good 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 or like no 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 dumb 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 so um that was kind of our barometer every day and then you know really it's like casting a a uh, a group of people who are just like <laughs> audacious and fierce mm-hmm. and funny as just funny as all get out and like incredibly attractive and you know put them in a play where like there's just lots of sex lots of jokes i mean it is um they are a, a wondrous group of mm-hmm. um comedians and so you know i think of myself in that case of like i'm just trying to build the right um playground for them and then they can um you know, and then I just edit because I just have to give them the right stuff. And, and it, when we would rehearse and things weren't funny, I was like, I'm just not setting the right table for them or I'm not setting up the right equipment for them to bounce around on. Um, and, and so it was fun. Do you, do you think that when you talk about the Greek and the restoration comedy history with the queer themes, were you realizing in the process, like, oh, there's more similarities here than not? Because sometimes we look back on Greek plays and restoration and and buried in there is a lot of sexual innuendo and queer theme and so was it easier to kind of combine or was there challenges what was it like mashing all that together i mean the real the truth is that we want people who who like know a lot about theater and the history of theater to have like a lot of easter eggs in the play and Mm -hmm. we want people who know nothing about theater to also have a great time and so I will say this thing and people are going to be like, oh my God, never let her direct a play again. But I felt like my North Star was the Muppet Show. And the (laughs) Muppet Show works on so many levels, right? Like you can watch, you know, I remember being a child and watching the Muppet Show and not laughing at certain parts. And my parents who were sitting behind me on the couch cracking up. And I didn't know what they were laughing at. And then there were things that would happen that I would just find hilarious. And I'd be like, you guys, don't you think that's funny? But like it had that breath. And it had that sophistication that it could appeal to me as a child and my parents on the couch. And I think that was the aesthetic that I was trying to hold on to was the kind of Muppet show brilliance um, and the Muppet show silliness, both. Mm. It totally makes sense, too. Now that you say it and we like look back and watch it from that that perspective, you're like, oh, yeah, that does make sense. And you pull in (laughs) these cool theater themes and you pull in also so many different pop culture references that the queer community just get. You know, we're sitting there laughing and maybe not everyone around us was getting a lot of them because we were also at the matinee. But, you know, for us, we were like, oh, this is so funny. It's it's so good. Uh, Which kind of going to the audience now, uh, what do you hope that audience take away from Marry Me? Is there a message or a feeling you want them to kind of leave with? 
Yeah, I mean, on its, you know, most basic level, I hope people feel entertained. I hope they have had a good time. I hope they have felt um, delighted and merry. Um, Maybe like, uh, you know, they got to know someone sitting next to them or they, you know, like to me, there's also a little bit of like, we've had a a number of like... um, kind of hilarious meet cute stories of people in the lobby like because I think that people feel a little like uh excitable you know after the show that's so that certainly has been part of the uh the hope is that people would walk out feeling merry um (laughs) and that there's a very strong message of course of nonviolence in the show and Mm -hmm. not seeking revenge and um that feels particularly um important today and certainly um we started uh our performances our dress rehearsal was maybe two or three days after the beginning of the war and it has Mm -hmm. felt like a very important moment actually to be talking about um, conflict and what the options are in terms of um how to how to move through the world and do you carry the axe or not um even though the axe is a metaphor, it still feels like that's part of what we're hoping for. And and I do also feel like what Hansel is really after is talking about female desire in mm-hmm. ways that aren't just in relationship to male desire. And that is also, I think, a very um, underrepresented topic in the theater mm-hmm. and one that, um, you know, has been explored in some ways, um, you know, a little bit on television with certain, you know, L word and things like that. But, you know, I think this kind of, um, there's a a long speech in the middle of the play about um, female desire and the way that it manifests. And she describes it as a campfire. And I, I I think that passage of the play is, is stunning. And I've never really heard articulated what female desire um quite articulated like that and so i i also feel like hansel giving the real estate literally and the space on the stage for that exploration also feels incredibly like exciting and um unique to this play that was definitely one of the things when we were leaving and we were walking and we could do our little chat when we're, you know, walking to the subway. And we said, this is some of the material that that's happening on the stage right now really just is like, we never see stuff like this. And we kind of, the first thing we said to ourselves, it's like, why, you know, like, why don't we? And, you know, what do you think? Like, why, why do we not see it? Even probably even on a more main stage, because this is down at, New York theater workshop, but like where it's more commercial and, you know, the everyday Broadway person's going, they're not looking at that. They're looking at what, like, you know, movies and adaptations of those things. So it's, um, we're always curious as to why that is. Uh, You know, the patriarchy, the patriarchy. Um, But, (laughs) you know, I think that it's, it's, um, uh, you know, female, I mean, my theory is like female desire and female sexuality is powerful and people don't always love women to be powerful. Mm. Scary. Yeah, and yeah. I, I feel yeah. like this show even like took it on a deeper level too, because it was actually from the female perspective and like mm-hmm. saying, Hey, like we don't need to live the way the male has been saying for so long, mm-hmm. you know? And that was like another big takeaway. It's like, yeah, why? So, you know, 
It was nice. Great. <laughs> I'm, so great, great. I'm so glad you both felt that way. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so we, we really loved it. No, we did. We were really, and I, and I, this is great that we were able to talk some of this out with you because I was, I knew the interview was coming up. So it oh, is okay. a wonderful thing. And there is a couple weeks left in the run. So y'all listening, try to go check this out downtown in your theater workshop. Maybe there'll be a future of it somewhere else, maybe, or maybe the, the rights will be available for people to do it around mm-hmm. the country. That would be nice too, I'm sure, you know, so, yes. so we'll, uh, hopefully people get to a yes. We we did want to ask you a few questions beyond Mary Me Too. Yeah. We we would love to know some things that might be up on your plate and especially uh stuffs that's coming to Broadway next year. We'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun chumba casino they have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week you can play for free anytime anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus let's jump back into yeah. well i am um actually leaving tomorrow we're doing a remount of a play i did five years ago with billy crudup called terry clark that um uh we're doing again which is really exciting um out at berkeley rep billy um wanted to do it again we had planned always planned to do it um a third time and then the pandemic hit and he's had all the success with the morning show and so um, with the strike going on and everything else, we were like, okay, now's the time. So um, really excitedly, mm. we're back in the room together. So that's been really fun. So that is the most upcoming, as in tomorrow. I'll be from <laughs> California. And uh, we open November 20th um, at Berkeley Rep. And the show will be running there for six weeks. And then um, opening April 18th will be a remount of um, the musical Softs written by Shana Taub um, that we did at the public last year. And... Um, yeah, it's been, well, I guess it's been about a year and a half since we closed now. And we've done a huge amount of work. There's, um, I would say, 14 of the 17 songs are different. Um, oh. The cast size has changed. We have an all new design team. We have a new choreographer. We're like, it's a really, um, it's been a really exciting, action packed 18 months of work on the show. And um, we go into rehearsal in February. We have um, two um, amazing producers, Jill Furman and Rachel Sussman, and they are now being joined by Secretary Hillary Clinton and Malala um, as uh, producers as well. And we're going to be at the Music Box Theater. And um, I'm really excited to get back to it and to particularly because it's an election year. Mm-hmm. And yes. it just feels like, um, you know, this is the story about um, not only women gaining the right to vote and the importance of voting, mm-hmm. but um, it's really about um, using your voice to make change and what could be more important um, right now and in this coming election year than that. 
it's 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 such an important story to tell. We didn't get to check it out off Broadway downtown. I think partly because it was so successful. It's so it was like sold out every night we could go. And so I had I a few people when they said, I think it's gonna transfer. I I think we're not gonna see the end of this. And it's so funny because, you know. We're big, this is going to sound so silly, but we're like big Disney people. And whenever I think of the women's suffrage movement, I think of the character of Mary Poppins, the mom, uh-huh. who was like, like this huge, and as a child, I'm like obsessed with that movie. And I, I always thought that was like the greatest thing that she like had, was a strong, powerful mother in this family. And you never like, that's such, obviously there's so many other representations of women in that movement, but that was like the mainstream Disney one. And so I always like, now I'm like, oh, now there's going to be a musical on Broadway about this. And what an important story. And then, yes, when I read that Hillary Clinton's going to be attached to this too, I'm like, this is like moving in the right direction. Like, I, I mean, you all must be just like so ecstatic. Oh yeah. It's really, it's really incredible. And I, I you know, I, yes, like women getting the vote is like important. And like, it's really great that we're telling that story. And these women, these characters are just so awesome. Like, I just am so excited for people to meet these women because they're like funny and weird and they care and they're activists and they struggle and they're, you know, they're just like, they're just, you know, women who are um, trying to make a difference. And like that feels to me to be, um, you know, and they do it through song, of course, and they all sound incredible, but like (laughs) it's, um, you know, it's, it's, to me, it's really about, um, you know, it's about this, these group of women who were standing on the shoulders of women who have been trying to get the right to vote for 60 years. This is, this show covers the last 10 years of the suffrage movement. Um, and it's, it's really, um, wild when you think about, um, kind of how long it went on and also in any social movement, um, in any civil rights movement that you have, you know, the intergenerational struggle, you have the the old guard, you have the young upstarts who come in and are like, this leadership sucks. I want to do something different. I want to do it my way. I want this other thing. And the struggle when a whole group of people all want the same thing and they all want to get there in a, in a different way. And right. so that, that feels like it's such a universal thing, whether it's about suffrage or um, civil rights or, um, you know, any, any of our other movements, it feels like, um, you know, there's, there's just, there's the interpersonal struggle around how to get where we all want to go is feels just like really ripe and delicious and thorny and worth singing about. Yeah, for sure. We're definitely going to be checking that out. I can't wait to hear more about that in the spring, which is going to be great. Oh, thanks. Um, Yeah. Love a musical. (laughs) <laughs> yes. We have a final question. Before we get to that, I have to just steer a little bit. Um, we are huge Sutton Foster fans on Half Hour Podcast. Um, Yay! Like, huge. <laughs> like, we've seen, I've seen, I think I might have seen, since a little, I grew up in the area, and so since I was a little boy, I would go to Broadway shows, and she was just always in a show. Like, and still, she's going to be doing Once One a Mattress at City Center. She's got Sweeney Talk coming up. And you have directed her in Violet on Broadway, which I loved her in that. I loved that whole piece. And we, a Another show off Broadway Sweet Charity that was like the hard ticket to get, but we won the lottery here, the rush, right, Jeff? We we uh, won we just... it. And we had like the two seats way, way up in the back. I didn't care. I didn't, I didn't care. I needed to be in that room. I, I've actually done a production of Sweet Charity years ago. I love the show. I loved your take on it. So I just have to ask, you've worked with Sutton a few times. What is the what is it like working with her? What you've worked with her in these huge roles. Just tell us a little bit about maybe your experience working with her. Sure. Um, we also did Wild Party together oh, at, um, yes. at City Center. Yes. And, you know, I, it's like, 
yeah, she is such an amazing collaborator. She's so smart. She's um, incredibly game. She's super fun um, to have in the room. And she has um, an enormous capacity to both lead a company and to be completely egoless Hmm. for a person who is such a mega talent. You know, she, she knows kind of both from a, you know, from like a star's responsibility point of view, how to move through the world and how to move through a process and how to lead a cast and how to show up on stage. And she's just the best collaborator and brings tons of ideas, has, um, truly, um, I mean, really across the board and every time we've been together on a process, she's, she's interested in whatever's going to work the best. And if something's not working, she wants to just work it, work it, work it. Um, she's inexhaustible and, um, she's just a very, um, open, dedicated person to the process and you know that's what makes her also a great leader in the room because you know it's like she's working harder than everybody so like no one else can complain you know and it's like (laughs) there's this she's just um yeah and then it's like she opens her mouth and you're like oh my god I want to just like you know (laughs) like fall down dead because it's so beautiful so you know there's like it's such a combination of you know personality and the way you can just feel her care and her commitment. We actually, during the pandemic, we made this um, concert, streaming concert for City Center called Bring Me to Light. And we did essentially like 12 music videos that we kind of strung together in this concert. And I was so moved by the way that it felt to be in her presence in the middle of the pandemic, you know, wearing, like I had to wear like a face shield when I was around her and we were like shooting this whole thing. And and she just was so excited to show up to an empty theater, empty city center, thousands of seats empty, and like sing her face off with the possibility that when we, you know, stream the concert, that it could bring something to somebody's life in that moment and lift them from from some of the despair or the whatever they were going through. And um and she's just, she's really, she's really quite a um, amazing person. I love that. And I, we've loved and those shows that she was in. We've loved your take on them and, and just her performance and everything. It's been, I love hearing that because I just love seeing her and, and she's working. She's always working. Mm-hmm. Always. Always. Totally. I'm just always. so impressed. With, so um, we are almost out of time. But I have one more question we have to ask. We yeah. ask all our guests this. So I don't mean to throw this on, on the spot, but we always, a lot of our listeners always tell us they really love to hear fun behind the scenes stories of something that you're allowed to tell us, maybe a mishap or something in the rehearsal process. So is there anything silly, fun, or it doesn't even have to be funny, but just something funny that maybe happened on Marry Me or any project you've worked on, a funny kind of behind-the-scenes story that our listeners might like to hear? Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> theater is nothing but funny behind-the-scenes yeah. stories. I mean, really. Um, oh, my God. I mean, so many. I feel like, um, I mean, Marry Me is um, such a ridiculous um combination of like crazy things that like describing anything is a little bit of a um 
it's it's sort of hard to describe on specifically on that but i will let's say i i will tell you <clears throat> this is one of my favorite theater stories so i was doing actually a, a, the edifice of palm springs when i was doing it at new york theater workshop had a scene um about 45 minutes in where the actors um there's like a kind of first scene where everybody arrives at this palm springs resort place there's like a big opening scene where everybody's greeting each other and then each um, couple goes to their little casita. So it's about 45 minutes into the play. They all regather on the patio and they drink what is described as um, frosty and delicious margaritas. But we haven't changed the set since preset. So whatever has been sitting on stage is definitely melted because it's been probably more like an hour with preset that this blender that they're going to pour their margaritas were sitting on stage. So we went through every possible thing that we could put in that blender. So we did like cool whip. We did mashed potatoes (laughs) (laughs) because we were just like, we were trying to think of like, what can you do that looks like a frosty drink to an audience member but that you could pour like a margarita out of a blender, but that's been sitting on stage. <laughs> okay. Can you guess what we used? Oh my gosh. I feel like the whipped cream would have been the go-to, but no, maybe not. It, um, it melted. It oh. like kind of, it, you know, it disintegrated. Oh, like and the mashed potatoes couldn't pour. Oh yeah. So I don't know. They could like eggs. But then they have to drink it. Oh, oh yeah. Like, actually. Oh. Oh, I don't. Okay. I'm dying. So no, what we <laughs> did was applesauce. Oh, in the blender because if you pour applesauce, it sort of looks chunky like yeah. ice, and it's thick, yeah. but you can sort of drink it. Yeah. And so every night they would like get to that port in the play, and they'd like pick up that blender and they'd pour <laughs> it into the glasses, and then they'd all toast, and they'd all say like frosty and delicious and then they'd all take a drink of that applesauce and it was like you know and, and it, it it looked you know and it was kind of like we colored it light light little light green so it looked like a lime margarita you couldn't tell it looked like margaritas it was amazing and i will say that like that is one of my most favorite theater stories mostly because it was the most disgusting thing they possibly could have put in there i mean they were just like so grossed mm-hmm. out and it looked so good and it felt like and then they had to be like super drunk because they drank this entire <laughs> yeah. pitcher yeah. of applesauce and i'm sure I none of them eat applesauce anymore <laughs> that's right no one has eaten applesauce since. but i it's like to me that's like that sums up everything about the theater just yeah. like drink an entire blender full of applesauce and get super drunk. And I, what I love the most about that story is, I don't know if, you know, if the playwright was, you know, could someone have gone to the playwright and be like, can we just change the frosty? And it was like, no, we're going to take that. We're going to run with it. We're not going to change the playwright's thing. We're going to make it work. Like, that's, that's awesome. it. You know, that's I love it. it. I love it. Oh, we love those stories. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. For- I got a million. Uh, and, Have me back. I'll tell you more. Yes, I love that. We will. Oh, we would love to for sure. And that that does kind of put us at time for today. So that is all the time we have for today's episode of Half Hour. And we thank you all so much for listening. Yes, we hope you enjoyed our conversation with Lee Silverman. And we will share all information on where you can learn more about Lee in the description. And to all our listeners, if you have suggestions for future episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can connect with us on Instagram and TikTok at Half Hour Podcast. Yeah. So thanks so much for joining us today, Lee. 
Thank you. Thank you both so much for your questions and yes. for your interest. I love being here. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. Signing off for now. I'm Richie. And I'm Jeff. Saying ta-ta for now. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.